Who's enjoying um, our month focused in prayer with a bit of help from Rick Warren and our Bible booklets and the likes? Some people are going, yes, they're into it. Others probably like, yes, someone's going to be a big wave. Thanks back there, David. Love to see a bit of um, encouragement. Going to continue in the, the theme of that this week. And uh, Emily preached a great message last week about the pattern of prayer. I'm just going to segue into uh, and follow on from what she shared last week and hopefully add some, some more thoughts into your prayer repertoire and what you think you're doing when you're praying. I started off this series with the thought that we can become very transactional in prayer. In other words, it's something I do. Now, there's a prayer meeting, I go, to, I go to the prayer meeting, or we pray at Connect, or in my private devotional time, I spend some time praying. And it's kind of like invitation to come to a prayer meeting can be like, well, it's something I'm going to do. And that's all very well. And the transactional dimension of it... Uh, can become, sadly, all that it is. In other words, it's just something else that I have to do, something else to put into the calendar, something else to squeeze in amongst other things. I realised when I started to fall in love with my wife, Julie, that um, squeezing her into my calendar wasn't really a problem. She kind of took priority over lots of things in my calendar. and In fact, other things started to end up putting, getting put behind the deal. If I look at my connection with her as a transaction, she becomes a competitor with all my other transactions. Prayer's not meant to be transactional. I started off this month with this thought that prayer is actually completely and utterly a love story. It is completely and utterly the mechanism, and it is a mechanism, the means by which you and I exchange and understand the love that God has for us as a reality. I don't think I'd want to contemplate the thought of knowing that I loved my wife but spending the rest of my life separated from her. In other words, no communication, no, no, no connection. I work and we work really hard and we still do after 41 years of connecting because we love each other. The motivation to pray is not about getting things done or doing things or getting God to do things or even just telling God how, how we feel as a transaction. It is completely and utterly wrapped up in the relationship that, that is only about love. God's got no other deal. He has got nothing else on his agenda. He's not seeking to manipulate. He's not seeking to control. He's not seeking to do anything but love you and me and us. In his word, he says, he is love. God is love. He declares to us through his word, God is love. It's also other things. He's light. He's all sorts of things. And we can see God through his names in the Old Testament. There's a whole lot of people that have done a lot more research into the, the names of God and they are very revealing about lots of dimensions of the way he interacts with us. But all of those can be all put into the massive concrete mixer, for one of a, that's just kind of where I'm at at the moment, concrete mixing. Um, it can all be put into the concrete mixer, huge crucible that's filled with and labelled love. And you put your own name on it, but love for you. God's deal is love. 
He loves you. Jesus Christ died because God loves you and me. He had no other agenda. He wasn't seeking to do anything else but to express his love for us. And it's a sad thing to me that somehow along the way of becoming and becoming involved in the Christian faith and becoming a Christ follower, because of the nature of how we do life, we compartmentalize and organize our time according to priorities for all sorts of things. And prayer and Bible reading and being at church and going to connect group and all those things can sound like things I have to do. But I've got to tell you that they're not things we have to do. There are things that help us stay in love. I can, Julie and I have had numerous reviews over the years in our marriage about how we're doing. And there have been times where we both conceded we are just coexisting. We're actually not unhappy. We're not thinking of leaving each other. We're just sort of living under the same roof doing our own thing. And we realise that's not actually really cutting it for me anymore because I, I want our love to actually do something. I want it to make me something that I'm not. And sure, she's an independent person and so am I and we can both get on with life and we can agree just to live under the same roof happily ever after and actually not be in love. That could, that's a possibility. You just coexist. It's like, like living, sharing a house with somebody. You like them, you get on okay, but you don't love them. Nothing wrong with that per se. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want to live in your house as kind of the friend who sleeps in the back room. <laughs> he wants to be with you intimately, completely and utterly involved in your world, not because he wants to manage it per se. He wants to love you in it. His agenda is love. Say, his agenda, his agenda. is love. Prayer is the mechanism through which he's helped us to have a means of responding to his love. And so um, I want to say this to you. God's love for us is discovered and delivered through prayer. It's kind of like we just, as a Christian, as a person who follows Christ, we, we need to pray. We need to talk to God. We need to sing to God. We need to just sit in his presence you know, um, with all I said about us as a married couple, there are other times where we can just be sitting in the same room and we don't need to say anything. We just know. We just know that we're there for each other. We just know that we love each other. We just know. And how do we know? Well, it's because we've had other times where we've said it. There are other times when we've demonstrated it. There's other times when we've gone the extra mile. There's other times when we've fought like cats and dogs and got over it. Um, it those things have all been part of the mix of Occasionally, maybe, lots of occasions, just sitting in the same room and going, life's good. I don't lean over and say, oh, I love you, honey. Oh, you're such beautiful. I don't have to. I mean, she is and all that stuff, and I occasionally do that. Okay, just being truthful. But, but I don't have to do it all the time. Because I just know. Prayer is meant to land us in places like that. So when it's difficult, you just know, God loves me. It's like, oh, God. Any, don't put your hand up, but I'll put my hand up because I've done this. I've woken up sometimes thinking I've been a bit of an idiot with one thing or another. And God clearly can't be happy with me. God's, God's probably got a bit of a deal with me at the moment. He's not happy. It takes me a little while to wake up for myself. That's not true. God's not got no problem. He doesn't see me. He sees him, Jesus. That's what the cross is about. He's never not happy with me. 
That doesn't mean I don't have to deal with my stuff and repent when I do make a mistake and, and because I love him, I actually want to make it right. And making it right is saying I'm sorry. I've been a goose. But what isn't in the mix is that he's got to say, oh, I'm so sorry because I've been a jerk in heaven. God's not ever made a mistake. He's never looked at you with a... a, a with an agenda that's corrupted. I've said things that I know have come out of brokenness and hurt to people. I've said things from this pulpit as a pastor. Over 25, I guarantee there's things I've said, got worked up about something, ticked off, and I've just said something that you've got to understand my motives because I'm a human being and not always pure. I try to try to be. What about you? Can you absolutely say, I've never said anything to anybody that's not got something on it, under it, that's not like what's in the foundation of your life. What I love about God is that in spite of our human frailties and mistakes, he's got no other agenda than to say to you, I love you. I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. That's a very cool deal. And Jesus paid the price for us to be able to say, Back to God in his hearing, God, I love you, but I'm really ballsing this up from time to time. Forgive me. And so prayer, don't, don't think of it as something you have to do. Think of it as spending time with someone who loves you unconditionally. Spending time with somebody who's got your back. Spending your time with somebody who actually wants you to succeed in what you're doing today yeah. and tomorrow. He's there for you. If you're parents struggling with the, the dynamics of bringing up a family, we had three grandsons with us yesterday for six hours. It's kind of like, at my age, I think I don't know how parents do it full time. It's like, I went to bed last night and slept like a baby. Man, I was stuffed. It's like, it's, and, and they're good kids, honestly. It's like, it's not like, it's like no, it's just, it's just life. So, what are we going to look at? The Bible. That's a good place to go. This then is how you should pray. This is Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to say this. This pattern for prayer that Jesus gave his disciples at this point is about yours and my well-being. Jesus is about our well-being, our wholeness. The Jewish word shalom, peace, isn't just about the absence of problems. The word shalom is really an all-encompassing kind of word that, that means just really well. Like, everything's cool. It's like... Just well-rounded well-being. Prayer is what the way we enter into that shalom. Prayer is the way we enter into that place of well-being. There is no other route. Jesus obviously is the door because it's through faith in him this all happens. But at the end of the day, when we have faith and we pray, we enter into a place of shalom. And I'll up just to highlight to you, uh, what have I got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven little points that I think are in this prayer um, that I just want to highlight this morning as part of what I want to say. So this pattern of prayer is about our well-being. Number one, you have identity. 
our father. You are a child of God. How good is that? It's like, well, what, I'm, what am I? Male, female, binary, trans, whatever. It's like, no, I've got colour skin off. We have got a world that's gone nuts on identity. Identity politics is the most interesting topic you could possibly get into in the form of speaking publicly, so I'm going to try and move on from it quickly. <laughs> what I want to say to you as a Christian, that our identity is in Christ. Yeah. We are who God says we are, and God says, you're my child. Yeah. That's where it stops. I don't have to worry about all those other, whatever I might be, and I'm not having to go to anybody who's wondering about their identity. I want to say to you, I'm looking down the camera at this, if your identity is a confused point, believe what the Bible says about you, child of God. Yeah. Yeah. End of story. You don't need to have anything else added to that, actually. Child of God. Our Father is a statement about identity. It's, I mean, anyway, moving right along. Yes, you get my drift. B, um, hallowed be your name. Second point in that is God who is perfect in character, nature, and authority. That's what his name is able to be holy. Name in the Bible is always about those issues, always, character, nature, and authority. God's, those three in God are perfect. Say perfect. perfect. He's got no flaws, unlike me. I've got lots of flaws. I've got lots of things that I wish I didn't have, do, or think, or say, or have said, think, or done. I had this really weird dream during the week that um, woke me up. It was kind of like, whew, that was weird. I was thinking, why am I thinking stuff like that? And it's like, I'm not going to tell you what it was because it was pretty disturbing. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's like, ah, oh, I don't think God has those sorts of dreams. Because he's perfect. My, my understanding of why I dream weird dreams like that is because I'm trying to work out what works and what's right and what's wrong. And it's like, I don't want to read too much into it because it's a scary thought. But anyway, um, God's perfect. Say, God is perfect. Okay, that's a good thing to remember through prayer. Um, the third thing here is we are citizens of another kingdom. That is not complete yet in our world. I love that song we sing. We didn't have a song this morning, I don't think, about being surrounded. That's what this is. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Think about it as if this massive army of angelic beings have been sent from heaven to surround you. That's what Jesus is saying to pray, your kingdom come. He hasn't got the smallest outfit in the universe. He's got the largest outfit in the universe. He's got the most powerful beings created in the universe in heaven, around him, worshipping him continuously. And when we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying for that power, we're praying for that presence, we're praying for the incredible supernatural presence of God to enter into our daily life. That's about our well-being. You've got supernatural answers to your natural problems. Do you believe it? I want to say to you, believe that. God's going to send supernatural answers to my natural problem. He's a supernatural, powerful God. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Say, supernatural. supernatural. We believe in that, right? Yeah. Oh, some of us are like, yeah, okay, it's like, no, don't get caught up in transactional Christianity. Get caught up in supernatural Christianity. Get caught up in the power of God coming on us. We, we are people who believe in the manifestation of his power in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in my life. 
I look around this room and I, a person, I say, That's, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you about what God wants to do in your life. His kingdom wants to come and manifest in your life. His kingdom of love, his kingdom of power, his kingdom of breakthrough, his kingdom of never stop working. He's there for you and for me. Oh, I can feel the power of God coming on this as this message starts to warm up. He is for me. Who can be against me? Come on. Coronavirus isn't going to have the last say. <clears throat> In your life, even if it kills you, it doesn't get the laugh. Say, you go to get with Jesus. Come on. We've got to have a perspective that's eternal, not caught up in the temporal and temporary. Supernatural, powerful, all-working God, always on our side. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Awesome. Right? Very good. Uh, Give us today our daily bread. We will all need... What have I written here? I'll read it again. I wrote it really well. I just didn't read it right. We will have all that we need for the present. It's like God's going to supply our need. Give us today our daily bread. Some commentators um, wanted to say around the wording here in the Greek with this, that it's not just about today. It's actually a word that implies tomorrow um, a little bit. It's kind of like basically your immediate need though. It's like... Just living one day at a time, no, there's this inference in the language. Some, one of the commentators was very emphatic that this, this, this bit of the Lord's Prayer conveys a kind of now and just the next step. It's like God will give you what you need today and what you need to take the next step tomorrow. It's like there's this, this stepping picture that I, I saw as I was reading some of that stuff. It's like, give us today our daily bread Next point is, forgive us our debts as, you, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Prayer orders our inner world. God wants to and understands that as human beings, we carry a lot of stuff. We carry stuff like this. So as we forgive our debtors, our debts, and we've also forgiven people, this prayer is about our inner world being transformed. This is stuff like shame, guilt, Selfishness, striving for meaning and identity are all removable through prayer. Summed up, grace received. The gift of life received. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's grace received. Next point there, as we forgive other people, is prayer forges a culture of peace. Grace imparted. He's forgiven us. He expects us to forgive. If you're sitting in your life with a level of animosity, unforgiveness, grudge rooted down in your life and Jesus is Lord, pray about it. Forgive them. Let it go. Some people would always want to have a conversation Along these lines, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know how bad it was. And I never, ever want to get into a comparison of difficulty conversation with people. That's not the point. The point is the cross is big enough, powerful enough, robust enough to break through the pain of anything that's happened. Let me say that again. The cross is big enough robust enough, the blood of Jesus is powerful enough enough to break into and resolve and set you free from anything that's happened in your life. 
And I mean absolutely anything. I want to say this as a pastor over many, many years. I realise that depending on what that is, it's not just a matter of the pastor's talked about forgiveness at church, I've got to do it. It's the pastor's talked about forgiveness at church and I'm going to live out of the previous few lines, give us today our daily bread. What's my first step? What's my next step? Forgiveness is a journey. It starts in a moment of time when we decide I'm on that journey. But sometimes the end place of the forgiveness is a long way down the track. So don't misunderstand me at all by making this simplistic. It is simple, but it's not simplistic. It's not just that step. It can be, depending on how it all unravels in us. But I want to encourage you to understand sometimes the, the forgiveness is a journey that you and I need the encouragement of our connect group, our friends, our Christian brothers and sisters. Come on, keep walking. Come on, keep walking. Come on, keep walking. Even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. You might not feel like you've forgiven them. You might have started this journey five years ago. You think, why do I still get really peeved about that and that situation? Like, I'm still cranky about it. I've given it to Jesus already. Keep walking. He is true and faithful and just. You are on the journey to freedom. Don't give up. Don't let the guard down. Oh, I've tried. That's a waste of time. I still feel like, you know what? No, no. Keep walking. Amen? Grace forges a culture of peace. Oh, I love that little phrase. I don't know where that came from. Out of heaven, I think. And the last point I get out of the Lord's Prayer is prayer prepares us to recognise and resist evil. There is evil in the world. There's no, my, there's no doubt about it. There's evil. People are crazy, but there's evil as well. And uh, we've got to recognise that, and we don't have to engage with it with fists and protest marches as much as people want to do that. I, I, I kind of like, let's just bind the devil. Yeah. Devil, get out of our country. Yeah. Get out of our senior citizens who are doing a tough with coronavirus. We just bind the devil. Now, I'm not saying that the devil's caused all this and stuff, but he, he may well have, but let's not get over Spiro about it, but let's be reasonably balanced as Christians. We bind the devil. Say, get off our case. Get out of our family. Get off that situation. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, resist the devil. It says elsewhere in Scripture that if we submit to God, resist the devil, he gets on his motorbike and leaves town. He doesn't just go, oh, Bruce is getting a bit serious. Just I'll take a little step back. He, he hears, hey, Bruce is submitting to God. He's actually going to believe the Bible. Let's get the heck out of here. He leaves. He gets a long way from your circumstance. So prepare your lives in prayer to engage with the enemy. Paul talks about putting on the full armour. Put on the full armour of God. This is in Ephesians 6. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's the schemer. God's not scheming. God's always working through love. The devil, he's always looking for an angle, always looking for a way to manipulate you, always looking for a little chink in the armour. Oh, what's Bruce ticked off about today? I'll just throw a little bit of acid into that. I'll just throw a few more names in there. I'll just, I'll just stir it up a little bit. I'll get some idiot to send him an email that's a little bit, you know, kind of, just to see, just to rub it in, just to let him know that life's really not that good. You know, he's always up to something. He's scheming. Put on the full armour. Say, I'm not taking that. 
No, no, nope, stop. Okay. I'll just reread this and restate it. So shalom, actually completeness, well-being, contentment, all wrapped up in this world. It's not the absence of trouble. Like all things derived from God, peace is not static. Passive state with no problems is a proactive, ground-taking reality that is ours through prayer. If you're not at peace this morning in any arena of your life, for goodness sake, don't sit on your butt expecting it to kind of maybe turn up. It's pro- it is something that is discovered through proactive prayer. I'm going to go after the peace of God. I'm going to actually pursue it. I'm going to let somebody say to me this morning, Emily, shalom. I'm going to receive it. Marlene, shalom. Peace, well-being, absolutely grounded, rock solid. Nothing, nothing going on in your life at the moment is allowed to take your sense of well-being I declare that over you in the name of Jesus. No devil, no circumstance, no conversation, no historical events from the family. Nothing in heaven or on earth is allowed to rob you of your sense of well-being. In Jesus' name. Come on. Thank you, Lord. I like reducing my friends to tears. I'm only joking. Bless you, Marlene. You're an absolute champion. Absolute legend of a woman. Come on. That's what we do. We believe, right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we've kind of run out of time. That's unfortunate, isn't it? How's the calendar looking? We're squeezing in another moment for his love to just... We might finish up with a song. We've got a song to finish with this morning, haven't we? I want to encourage you to just have a bit of a rethink about your prayer life. What's it been like of late? Yes, please come here. Um, what's, what's it been like? Come up, team. That's great. If you're really brutally honest with yourself, you had a little bit of a review right now, would you have to concede that your prayer life's a little bit transactional? A transactional prayer life's better than none. Just let me say that. That's better than no prayer life. But God's, he's just, just waiting, waiting, waiting to embrace you with his love and to see you, you and me respond to it with love for him. If I just treated Julie like a servant said make me dinner make the bed make my lunch get me a cold beer pour me a glass of wine mow the front lawn (laughs) yeah right Um, I don't reckon you'd really think I was expressing my love for her but I've got to tell you I've gone to God with prayers like that God, I want this. I need that. Can you do this? Can you do that? Would you do this for me? Would you look at that? Would you get into that? Would you do this? It's like, can I say to you this week, just somewhere in this week, spend some time, God, I got nothing. 
I got nothing that I'm after. I got nothing I want, nothing I need. That's not to say I haven't got any of those things, but I'm not coming to you with them at the moment. I just want to sit in your presence and feel your love surround me. If you're dry on the inside this morning, if you know your prayer life's been a hit list with God and you're thinking, man, I'm feeling miserable. He's not even answering my prayers. Maybe it's because you haven't told him you love him. And I don't mean just using the words. It's like, just sit in his presence, God. So right where you said, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to put your hands out in front of you like you're about to receive something. What I know you're going to receive this morning is a, a fresh sense, a fresh revelation about how much God loves you. He's going to place it in your lap this morning. Father, I pray right now you'd breathe your love onto every soul gathered in our meeting here. For every person who's listening online this morning, there would be an incredible impartation of that surrounding coming out of heaven, just depositing on each one of us. Lord, I pray that that sense of your love and the well-being that comes with it would so intimidate our situations that faith would rise up. We're going to get through this. We'd see our circumstance, our wants, our needs, our problems in comparison to your love for us at a whole new level this morning. It's going to be like comparing the sun to the moon that runs around our planet. That's how big your love is compared to our problem, no matter how big that thing might be. Father, I pray right now that your love would just cascade over the boundaries of every part of our world in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In his name I pray. Finish with this scripture from Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So there is no problem bringing requests to God. But here's the catch. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How does that happen? We pray. Why don't we stand on our feet? We're going to sing a song and come to a close shortly.